0: So my name is Eldon, and you've probably heard that a couple of times already today, but I just have an incredible privilege of being uh, the pastor for Central at this campus, my favorite uh, town in the valley. And uh, <laughs> and so it's awesome to be able to welcome you to Agassiz this morning. And uh, today we're, uh, we're continuing a, a short series of five sermons in some of the parables of Jesus. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 12, where we're going to be spending a little bit of time uh, this morning. So if you were here last Sunday, um, you will have uh, uh, noticed, hopefully, that I said when something is repeated in Scripture or, re- or affirmed by God three times, like in quick succession, you, gotta pay t- you really have to pay attention. I mean, we've got to pay attention to everything in God's Word, right? But we really have to pay attention when there's three things told quickly. It's like lighting a firecracker without somebody knowing, putting it behind them, and like, boom, you've got their attention fast. And so that's what happened last week as we were in Luke 15 where we we saw God's heart for the lost as we talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Well, this within the span of about a, a week and a half, right around as I was preparing for that message, God got my attention through a series of three things again. And uh they were, they were just so forceful that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't deny them. And so I had I said, God, what are you trying to say? I gotta pay attention. And one of those, the first thing that happened came through a conversation with a friend. He attends this church, his name is Mark. And I've asked Mark to uh, share, not about Father's Day today, but about figs. Can you believe that? About figs. I'm a foodie, so this makes sense. Figs are awesome. I, I love figs, you know? Like not just dried figs, figs in like the Fig Newton bars or whatever, cookies. I love fresh figs. They're so juicy and so good. Anyway, I digress. Mark, come on up and share your story about figs because this is awesome. Go for it. You have to hear
1: this. I hope this one, Miss Mike, is working fine. I too want to wish all the dads in uh, church this morning a happy Father's Day. And uh, I want to thank Eldon for giving me a chance to talk horticulture again. That's about the only time I get to come up here. (laughs) Anyway... How many in the crowd here have a fig tree? Ah, good, good, good. My fig tree has been a great source of pleasure because I love fresh figs. It has also been a great big disappointment some years. So I have a kind of a love-hate relationship with my fig tree. This spring, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but this spring something unusual happened. Uh, generally speaking, fig trees don't leaf out until quite late in the spring, sometimes early summer, depending on how uh, uh, cold the weather has been. Uh, I walk past my fig tree at least twice a day because it's planted right beside my chicken coop, and I have to go back and forth to the chicken coop several times a day. And um, this spring, in mid-April, Uh, It was after we'd had a warm spell, I think if you recall back in early April, we had a few days of fairly warm temperatures. I walked past my fig tree as usual, didn't think anything of it, went into the chicken coop and did the usual chores. And I came back out and as I was walking by my fig tree, I felt as if someone was grabbing me by the shoulders and pointing me at the fig tree and saying, look at your fig tree. So I did. And I noticed that my fig tree had leafed out. And that's kind of unusual for mid-April. Can anyone else attest to that? (laughs) There have been some years that I thought my fig tree was dead because it didn't leaf out until practically till June. Anyway, it struck me as odd that it had leafed out and that I hadn't noticed it until somebody drew my attention to it. So then I started thinking about the parable of the fig tree. Um, that says that when you see the fig leafing out, you know that summer is drawing near. So with that, I'll uh, let Eldon expound.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So, and so you had mentioned as well, Mark, that usually the fig, the the, the fruit—I don't know how it works—the stem ca- or whatever, the fruit piece comes out first, and then the leaves. So the figs come out first, yeah. Yeah. So the fruit begins to grow, and then the leaves will follow. Jesus said this in Matthew 24. He said, and and this is going somewhere, "...from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things, you will know that he is very near at the gates." Truly, I say this to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. A short season of heat, the leaves come out, and you know that summer is near. In the same way Jesus said the point is that you know that I'm near. So then, this is ringing in my, oh, and then right after, uh, right after the lesson of the fig tree, which is Matthew 24, Jesus goes on to talk in Matthew 25 about the signs of the end of the age, the fact that he is near and that he will return soon. And so to summarize the beginning of chapter 25, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were unwise. The wise ones brought extra oil for their lamps so that when the bridegroom arrived, they were ready to go. The five that did, weren't prepared we were left on the other side of the door. The door was shut, and now they, these 10 are separated. Five entered the kingdom of God, and five didn't. So all of this is ruminating in my mind, and then I'm, I, I went home, and I began to prepare for today because today we're in Luke chapter 12, Just the passage just before what I preached last week. And this is a passage that Pastor Matt, who's doing the same thing in in Chilliwack uh, this morning at our campus there, he and I decided to sort of, uh, uh, you know, put our heads together a little bit and and, uh, talk from Luke chapter 12, and this is what it says. So the passage will be on the screen. Jesus said, "'Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast.' So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You, must, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you, gonna, are you telling this parable for us, for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes truly i say to you he will set him over all his possessions if that servant says to himself my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and and to eat and to get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did a well, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That's the second thing that happened to me in the span of a couple of days. And then, right after, so I started preparing, and right after this, my verse of the day that came up on my phone, as it does every day, right after, is, was this from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, and it's on the screen. And Paul said, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, okay, Lord, you're telling me something here. You're telling me something. What can we learn from Luke chapter 5, taking into consideration the fig tree, the parable that we, that we uh, Luke chapter 12, considering the parables that, um, that Mark made reference to from the fig tree and also Philippians 3. There's, there's a few things that I want to say that we need to pay attention to today. The first is this. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Jesus said, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Matthew 25, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Stay dressed for action. In other words, don't get into your pajamas (laughs) or take your clothes off. get into bed. Stay dressed for action. That is the Christian imperative. There is no time to sleep, especially as we see the return of the Lord drawing more and more near. Summer is right around the corner, friends. I truly believe that. The leaves are out on the fig tree. And Jesus said, keep your lamps burning. Don't turn off the light. What do you do at, at bedtime? You get undressed, you put your pajamas on or whatever, you turn out the lights, you get into bed. But here's the thing, I personally, I can be fully dressed. I can have the lights on, and I can still fall asleep. <laughs> you, you know when that happens? When I've had a long day, I come home, have a meal, sit down, and turn the TV on. <laughs> That's a recipe for falling asleep right there, with the lights on, with my clothes on. In order for me to stay awake when I'm fully dressed, with the lights on, let alone n- bedtime. I need to do something productive to keep me awake. So this was happening last night. I was nodding away, and, and my dear wife, <laughs> Marcy, she says, let's go for a walk. we got to go for a walk. That's the last thing I want to do when I feel like falling asleep on the couch. That's the last thing. But we went out, did an errand, brought the dog to the park here. I had to drop something off at the hall, and, we, and, it, and it woke me up. I was awake again. what does this mean for the church? As we see the Lord's return drawing near, we need to be productive in order to stay awake, fully dressed, and with our lamps burning. Even fully dressed, prepared for action, with all of our clothes on, with the lamps burning, the lights on, it's still easy to fall asleep so we need to be productive. Pastor uh, Ron just talked about the fact that we, and I want to be like brutally honest with you folks, not like not to scold you or anything, but to say it's, it's urgent. People, and I'm going to talk about this a, uh, a little bit later, but people have been pretty, become pretty complacent in the past year and a half. It, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to sit back you know, get the cinnamon buns and the coffee and watch the service, and that is about it. And I did that for a period of time. There was nothing else we could do. We're re- But there was things we could do. We could be engaging our friends, our neighbors, those around us with the good news, even though there were restrictions on our indoor worship. Now that those restrictions are lifted, we think, ah, oh, church is going again. Church has always been going. Yeah, church has always been going. And so we need, we need people to engage, not only in their communities by sharing the good news in everyday life, but we need people to engage as restrictions are lifted and we're able to worship again. We need people to help Ellie with, with front door ministry by ushering, by helping people with registrations. We need people to, to, to lead worship as we're uh, seeing, you know, as restrictions lift and we're going to get into having more musicians and vocalists. We need that. And you have gifts. I know you do. We need people to help with setup. We need people to work behind the scenes to run sound and the computer and all that kind of stuff so Tanya doesn't need to pull double duty and do the computer and the sound at the same time. And you're those folks. And I want to encourage you to stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Proverbs 24 says, "A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man." And that's not just—that's just not—that's just not, not just material poverty. That's a spiritual poverty as well. It's in the church. Ephesians, Paul said, "Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We, we can't make the most of every opportunity when we're sleeping. We need everyone engaged and dressed for action and ready for battle because the days are evil. Jesus said in Revelation, blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as to not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Um, second thing, We need to not only wake up, we need to wait patiently. We need to be waiting patiently and be like the men and women who are waiting for their Master to come home from the wedding feast. We can't wait unless we're awake. What are the signs that we would see that would indicate the return of the Master is imminent? We need to be watching for those things. That's the third thing. We need to watch carefully. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. If we're sleeping and we're not waiting patiently and we're not eagerly watching, we will not recognize the master when he comes. And it's easy, Jesus said, to open the door to the wrong person. You can open the the door to the thief. He'll come right on. You're going to let him in and he's going to like wipe your house out. Jesus said, no, wait Watch, stay dressed, stay alert, keep the lights on, and watch for me. Keep yourself productive and watch for me so that you open the door to me and you're not caught on the other side of that door either when he shuts it. Number four, Jesus said we need to act wisely. Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. We need to act wisely while we're here. There's three things in this passage that, that, uh, that I see is wisdom, how we act wisely. The first is this. It's the issue of security. I already talked about it, but uh, we need to make sure that we don't open the door to the wrong person, the thief. We need to open the door to the Master. We need to be watching for the Master. The second is this, service. We need to model our service after the Master. Jesus said, what are you doing while I'm away? Are you serving? Are you serving the Master? We, we're the manager, not the, the Master. And the servant-master theme is dominant here. If you, if you were to go back through this passage and every direct reference, look at, the, look at every direct reference to master-servant 17 times. And there's a couple others that are inferred as well in the text. 17 times in this tec- text, Jesus uses either the word servant or master. We're not the master. We're the manager. We serve the master and we steward his possessions and his people. Well, that's the third thing, is stewardship. We need to steward the, the master's possessions. Well, that's what he said. I will put you in charge of my possessions. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Is it on the kingdom of God and on the resources that God gives us to leverage them for the sake of his kingdom and the spread of the gospel? Those things we need to manage well so that everyone can hear about Jesus. But we need to steward the master's people well. And again, this is about serving. And Jesus said in this passage that if we mistreat others in his kingdom, then we will be disciplined severely for it. We have to treat other people well. This is what we need to be busy with so that we'll stay awake. Serving, friends, serving, stewardship, is critical to discipleship. And I want to say this, if you're not serving, you're not growing as a disciple. Um, last, last year, uh, we had some friends uh, visit us. They came to uh, visit parents and other relatives from the prairies. The very first church that we pastored was in Borden, Saskatchewan. And, and uh there was a, a young guy, only a few years older than me, and I was a very young pastor at that time. He was like, I don't know, four or five years older than me. He was a new elder in the church. And when they came down here to visit family last year, they phoned us up and we got together uh, with them for a visit. And he said, Eldon, the one thing that stands out from your entire time in Borden, six years, he says, there's one thing that I remember. You told me that if I wasn't serving, I was not growing as a disciple. And that guy rolled up his sleeves. Man, did he serve. He was an elder in the church, but he did so many things behind the scenes that people would never, ever see. And that's the one thing that stuck out to him. And he thanked me for saying it. And I'm like, well, you're welcome. <laughs> and I, my, my challenge to you is to do the same, to serve, serve, serve. Because the minute you stop serving is the minute you stop growing Spiritually. Proverbs 23, verse 24, I read this yesterday. This was my verse of the day yesterday. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son or daughter rejoices in him. And if we think about God as our heavenly father, I think, is our father rejoicing in our choices, in the things that we do? Does our father delight and rejoice over those things that we're involved in? And that leads to number five the last thing is we need to heed the warning i'm not going to reread the passage again but one more slide there i think tanya we need to heed the warning there's a severe warning in here that those who don't steward well that those who aren't watching those who are sleeping those who aren't expecting the return of jesus those who aren't watching the signs of his return Jesus said at the end, everyone to to whom much is given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. We've been given so much, friends. We've been given so much, and one day we're going to stand before the master, and we're going to have to give an account with what he gave us, with what he's asked us to do. Will you be counted? Will I be counted as one of the faithful or as one of the unfaithful? Right now the door is open. One day it will be shut. That's what Jesus said. And my, the question I had to ask myself is, man, which side of the door am I on? It's, we're going we're gonna to remember what Jesus did for us and how he came to serve us in just a moment. So you can already get your communion cup out and hold it. But as you hold this, think, think and ask yourself the question, which side of the door am I on? Will I enter the kingdom of heaven through the door of Jesus, through what he did for me, how he served me, how he laid down his life for me? Without Jesus serving, we, will not, we would never enter the kingdom of God. He laid down his life, and he's asking us to do the same for the, for the sake of the kingdom of God, that others may enter through that door and be found on the right side of that door. As you think about partaking in communion today, How are you treating people? Will you receive a well-done, good, and faithful servant? Are you engaging in ministry and in service to him? How often do you think about your citizenship, the fact that you're a citizen of heaven, not of earth? All of these things I want us to think about this morning as we partake in communion. As I shared a little bit of these things on Tuesday at our at our pastoral staff meeting, and uh, Pastor Matt, he said, the question that comes to his mind when he thinks of this text is, how how would I spend my last day on earth if I knew, if I knew that today was my last day on this earth, and I actually lived that way, what would I do? How would I speak to people? How would I engage them? You know what Jesus did on his last day on earth? He served. He did something that that many would have thought was way below him, way beneath him, as a master, as a teacher, as rabbi, as the Messiah. He got down on his knees and he took off his disciples' sandals and he began to wash their feet. And he told them what they must do in the kingdom of God. The same thing. But that wasn't all. That was a tangible act of his service to his disciples. And he took it a big step further, a big leap further. When he left that upper room and he made his way through the Kidron Valley towards the cross. That's where he served us, friends that's where he laid it all down. He put it all aside for our sake that we might enter the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad for that? (laughs) And are you willing to model your life after Jesus to put it all aside for the sake of the kingdom that others might come to know him, that he might be glorified? So in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul, he said this, For I also received from the Lord what I, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to give thanks and then we're going to partake. So just lift up the very top layer, the, the, the clear cellophane there not the foil (laughs) and then it'll expose just the little wafer there so god we I, I say thank you this morning I thank you for your sacrifice I thank you for your body which was broken for me for us thank you for how you served me thank you that you are my master that you're our master and Lord we don't take for granted what you did for, for us. And we say thank you for your body broken, which this small wafer symbolizes. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake. And it says, In the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Feel free to pull back the foil there to get to the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Matthew had said it's this his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And verse 26, again, as I highlighted last week, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. His return is imminent, friends. It's, he's, summer is near. So, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus because you loved us so much that we might not have we might not perish, but have eternal life. And so, God, we, we say thank you that you poured out your very lifeblood that we might be forgiven, that we might receive that eternal life. And help us to proclaim not only now in this moment your, re- your death until you return, but to proclaim that every day to people around us because the time is short. Your return is near. We believe that. So remind us not only today, but this week, every day, of just how much you love us, just how much you came to serve us, and what you require and expect of us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake.